This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This show is brought to you by our show sponsor, BetterHelp Online Therapy. Some people think asking for help makes you vulnerable or weak, but that's not true. Asking for help shows you're brave, empowered, and proves to others that while you may not have the answers now, you are willing to work for them and make things better for yourself. Now, that's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and 21 and over listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash holly. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash holly. Hello and welcome back to 21 and over. I'm so excited to have everyone back for episode five. And today, joining myself and Tally, we have the gorgeous Sophia Colbert. Sophia comes from America and has a big family like me, so she knows the dynamics that it brings. Sophia is coming on 21 and over to discuss her mental health for the first time. She's also an IBS advocate and nutritionist. But before we get to Sophia, it's time for a check in. Tally, welcome back. Good to be back for episode five. Now it's time for a check-in and this is where we go through a high point and a low point of our week and also discuss how we're feeling generally and we can get to the bottom of any unresolved feelings that we might be feeling. So I guess the low point of my week uh, was perhaps feeling a little overwhelmed, not necessarily knowing why, whether it was work, being typically British, not being a fan of the heat, not being able to sleep, the usual. Um... But the high point has been um, really getting stuck into the football, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. the Euros and enjoying the kind of vibes that it brings and feeling the sort of community spirit of the football. Can't believe I just said that. (laughs) Um, And yourself, Holly, what has been the kind of highs and lows of your week? I would say the high point of my week is... Mum and dad had a date night the other night and I crashed it and it was actually such a nice dinner. I always take for granted the time we do have together. For example, when we were in lockdown, that was so much family time. And since things are getting back to normal, dad's been busy with work, mum's been busy, Mm. I've been busy. So having time where the three of us without any other siblings could just sit and chat, it was so great and it was really nice. And then the low point of my week. Now I know you'll probably laugh at me for this one. But I have one fan in my house and I was going to use it myself for nighttime during the day. It stays in the kitchen. Um, But I felt really guilty for taking this fan away from Truffle, my dog. So when I went to bed last night, I was like, okay, Truffle can have the fan. So I gave Truffle the fan. He sat with it in the kitchen and I could not get to sleep until about three this morning. It was so hot in my room and I was so tempted to go back and get it. But I knew if I disturbed him, well, I felt bad for disturbing him if he had been asleep. 
because um, it's not his fault I'm hot um but it was definitely a case of kind of I'm really overthinking this like he, he's a dog well lucky truffle basically <laughs> yeah so maybe tonight I'll take the fan <laughs> good Now, I am so excited to speak to our guest, Sophia, today. She's speaking to us all the way from LA. Firstly, I'm very jealous she's there, but I couldn't be more excited to have her on the show. Hi, Sophia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Holly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this podcast. And this is Tally. Hi, Sophia. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Tally. Great. Well, I think this last year has been tough for everyone, and it has shown how much we all need to check in on ourselves, check in on our friends. So how have you found the last year? I think the last year was difficult for everybody. Um, Personally, I really struggled with my routine being completely thrown off. And on top of that, when LA had first shut down, my sister and I actually left and went to Colorado because you know, at the beginning we thought this would be maybe a weekend, but we ended up being in Colorado for four months. I was living in a house that like wasn't my own and it was just not my routine, not my room, not my thing. So I really feel like any sense of normalcy I had was really taken from me. And that definitely took a toll on um, my anxiety levels and just feeling, I think, depression for the first time and not having an escape. Mm -hmm. Because when you're left all day to just think, 24 7 that took a toll this past year that must have been tough like not even being in your own home because I I was with my family and I wasn't in London I didn't have all my clothes with me and that was already quite weird um but not being in my own home I would have struggled with that alone yes I was living out of a suitcase and like ordering things online like getting pajamas from Target because I was just like I didn't have anything of my own. I will say I was very lucky to be with friends and family. We actually ended up staying at my sister's, my sister's boyfriend's family's house, which sounds so strange out loud, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I felt very lucky to have people around. You know, I have some best friends that were living alone in apartments and I can't even imagine what I would have felt like had I been by myself. Yeah. How was it to kind of recreate a routine then? Like you said that you suddenly were thrown out of your kind of normal routine and the things that you usually use to kind of distract yourself or entertain yourself have have gone. How do you then, how did you then find a routine again? Was it easy or was it difficult? It was definitely difficult to try and find a routine in a new place. And with my lifestyle, I do travel a lot. So I am kind of used to having to find a routine in new places, but I actually started this social media, um, three mile challenge every day to just get outside and move your body for three miles, whether that's a run or or a walk or, you know, a crawl. Like I just wanted to get outside and move my body. So I tried to do that first thing in the morning. Um, and so I went to school for nutrition and that's something I'm really passionate about and just making sure that I was still, you know, eating healthy and getting all the nutrients that I need to fuel my body. But at the same time, it was quarantine and we were baking a lot. We were eating, like, you know what? But it was the first time in my life where I didn't have any jobs coming up where I really felt pressure to be like a hundred percent fit. And I just kind of enjoyed the time and letting myself not take myself so seriously. I think that was one positive thing that came out of quarantine was really reminding myself like the core values in in life in general and just letting yourself relax and enjoy and like have time with family and 
eat pancakes in the morning and not feel like I need to go to the gym after. Mm. Yeah, that must have been so nice, not feeling any external pressure from the world because obviously everyone was going through this. So you weren't alone in these feelings, I'm sure. Definitely. I do remember feeling really scared to go to social media Mm because that was such a like a chaotic space at the time you didn't want to offend anybody who didn't have family around when they were quarantining but then at the same time like my platform is sharing my life and like this is what I was going through at the time and I just didn't know whether to continue with that or to kind of go back and hide and just not share like I normally do because I wanted to be respectful but at the same time I love social media and I love sharing my life. So it was definitely a balance. Yeah, I can actually definitely relate with that because I was with my family. So we were having a great time and we were actually down in Cornwall and the weather was pretty good. And I wanted to put that on my social media, but at the same time, I didn't want to be insensitive to anyone. So there was very much a fine line and people were very quick to judge just because everyone was so kind of, while you're doing this, you shouldn't be doing this and kind of not taking into consideration different places had different... I guess, like rules and stuff. So I can definitely relate to that. Yes, definitely. That was such a struggle for me. And then I also had to learn, this is something I struggle with in general when it comes to social media, because you're not going to be able to please everybody. Mm. And I've learned that. That was something I learned over this year for sure, because while I wanted to be sensitive to those, I also realized that you have to live your life for yourself and you really, you cannot take the opinions of others too, too seriously because you're never going to please everybody. You have to do what makes you happy. So that was a huge lesson that I learned. And that was something not just from COVID from probably the time that I was 16 and I'm still navigating now, just having an Instagram presence, having a following, having some type of limelight on you. Mm -hmm. You have to kind of just learn not everybody's going to like you and that's okay. Yeah, it's a difficult lesson to learn because some people aren't forgiving at all. (laughs) But as soon as you kind of make peace with that and kind of realize, you know, sometimes people are very quick to judge. But again, it says more about them than it probably says about you. Exactly. That's such a great lesson. And that's what I remind myself anytime I check my messages. <laughs> Just ignore the negative comments. It says more about them than it does about you. How, how do you manage? It's, it's, it's really interesting for me how you manage then perhaps when if you're struggling with mental health or you're having a bad day or feeling low under pressure, how do you manage that whilst sharing your your life with social media how do you find the balance this is a really big struggle for me because when I have days that I just really have no energy because I also struggle with a chronic um disease it's kind of a version of IBS I don't even have my full diagnosis I'm still trying to figure out what it is Mm -hmm. because all my test results are kind of all over the place but it kind of mimics an autoimmune disease so some days I really just feel very sad, very down, low energy. And I'm learning that these are symptoms of depression, symptoms of IBS. It's not my personality. So those are two things that I'm really learning to differentiate. But when it comes to social media, I just have to take those days off and not share. And I'm sure maybe my followers notice that some weeks I'm really active and some weeks I'm not. 
at all. And I just have kind of learned to take that pressure off of myself and realize that I need to put my mental health first, my physical health first. And if that means that I don't post for two days, like that's okay. That must be difficult trying to find a balance when you feel like you have this platform that you need to keep up to date, but you're still trying to get up to date yourself. That's a great way to put it. (laughs) It really is trying to be honest and I don't want to fake happy smiles on Instagram Mm. when truthfully I just can't that day. I think that's not healthy for myself and I don't want to paint this picture that I have this amazing, perfect, happy, healthy, uh, life, which, which I do, but like everybody has days where they just don't feel great. Mm. And I'm navigating those days because when those days get higher and higher in number, you have to, you have to start taking that into consideration and realizing that you need to be getting those days to be less and less. And if that means taking time off social media so that eventually I can come back better, then that's worth it. And, and what do you, what would you say helps you when you're having these days or, you know, when you're struggling with your health, what would you say helps you to kind of bring yourself back to yourself and, and just chill and, and take everything external away? Would you, do you have any, tips or just any advice about what you do to just take some time out basically? Yes, definitely. What I do when I'm having days that I feel a little down, it's really hard to motivate yourself to exercise when the last thing you want to do is like pretty much get off the couch, but it really does. I just try to remind myself that it makes you feel better. It gets those endorphins pumping, gets your blood pumping. Um, so that's something that I aim for. And it's not like a strenuous workout. Like maybe it will be a walk on the treadmill, a walk around the block or a stretch, something, just anything to feel like I've tried, I've put in my effort because I think that is huge feeling like you're your own best advocate and working for yourself. That helps my mood as well as Mm -hmm. a phone call, like calling my, my aunt who I love, like she's like my grandmother, um, calling my mom, calling a friend, talking is something for me that always makes me feel better because I have a tendency to shut everything in Mm -hmm. and I'm learning. I need to stop doing that. (laughs) So at the beginning of the pandemic, when earlier you said you were feeling a lot of feelings that you hadn't really experienced before, was it easy to speak out or did you still kind of feel as if you couldn't? Sometimes I still feel like I can't really speak out. Um, I think this maybe ties into um, some form of, whether it's guilt or imposter syndrome, I feel like I have so many blessings in my life and such an amazing life that I'm not allowed to feel sad because I know Mm -hmm. there are people out there that have much more difficult circumstances. But what I'm learning is one, it's not always circumstantial. A lot of mental health mm-hmm. troubles can be chemical imbalances. 100%. And, you know, whether you go on this amazing vacation or not, that imbalance is still going to be there. Um, so that's something that I've really, really had to remind myself that this isn't a guilt thing. You're not being ungrateful. Mm. Um, you're not being selfish. Like, this is something that is out of your control. Mm. So, that's something that's really helped me understand like it's okay to not be okay. Sure. You, you mentioned the, the word imposter syndrome or the words imposter syndrome, um, which I think so many people are affected by yet perhaps don't know they're affected by, if that makes sense. And I, and I wonder how it affects you and how it sort of manifests in you. This 
This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. People seek out help for a multitude of reasons and you don't need to wait until there's an emergency to get support. It could be a recent breakup, struggling with a job, noticing you feel more anxious than usual, being unhappy or even just wanting to grow as a person. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating in just under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it's just professional counselling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counsellor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counsellors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is available. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash holly. That's better, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. We have a special offer for 21 and over listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash holly. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash holly. Yes, so imposter syndrome is actually what I wrote my college essay on when I was um, 18 years old going to college because my sister, Olivia, so I'm the youngest of five siblings, um, which that in and of itself (laughs) adds a lot of pressure to the younger sibling because, you know, I have these amazing, successful older siblings that I want to be like. Um, And there's a little sibling competition in there, of course. (laughs) But... My sister, Olivia, um, kind of rose to celebrity and fame when I was about 16 years old. That, at the time, I didn't really know how it was affecting me, but I realized it really added a sense of, um, like we said, imposter syndrome, feeling guilt, feeling like I'm not, I haven't done anything for these opportunities, for these, um, for even just these, this following that I have on social media, you know, her fame kind of trickled down onto me and people started mm-hmm. following me at such a young age where I was very confused. I was like, strangers are following me mm-hmm. and they don't know who I am. I don't know what they want. And it was just this really strange learning curve, especially because growing up, I was extremely shy. I didn't even really speak until I was about five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And I'm still shy, but I'm learning that these, what I used to think were strangers following me on Instagram are people that, you know, want to take an interest in your life. And like, they, they like you, they enjoy your company. They want to support you. So I'm really learning that this is a community that Mm. of people that I love to communicate with and talk to and learn from and grow together. And it's actually something beautiful and it shouldn't be something scary. But at the time when I was so young, just not knowing how to handle that and feeling super guilty, like I haven't done enough to earn this type of recognition, that really made me feel a huge, immense sense of anxiety and pressure as to how I live up to this reputation that just kind of fell in my lap. Mm, I remember when I first started gaining followers on my Instagram as well. And I also at the time hadn't really done a huge amount to earn them. Um, And there was like a huge sense of responsibility because these people, I mean, they follow you, so they want to see content, they want to see what you do. And a lot of the time it's kind of, well, how can I top what I've just done? Yeah. But I'm sure you must have also felt like this 
newfound responsibility of kind of what do I do I'm just trying to post on Instagram like a lot of my 16 year old friends are but yet I have to be very careful with what I post yep that was such a big sense of anxiety for me when I was in college because at this point I probably I had a couple maybe like say 12,000 followers it wasn't you know, crazy. It's not as much as I have now, but at the time it was more than my friends in college who were able to post the normal chaotic, mm-hmm. crazy stuff in college that we probably weren't supposed to be doing. <laughs> I couldn't because I I know that I had brands watching my account. I had jobs. I had a reputation that I needed to respect and to uphold. So when I was in college and all my friends are doing this and that, I just felt so left behind and just so stressed because I couldn't really just I don't want to say I couldn't be like a normal kid, but to a certain extent, yeah. I really couldn't. And that was my own my own doing because I could have posted those things, but I, I tend to be more of an anxious, overthinking person. Mm-hmm. So of course I'm going over like, well, what what are all my, what are they going to think? Like, or they're going to think that I'm not smart because I'm partying or they're going to think that I drink too much because I'm drinking. Like I look back and I wish I could just tell that girl, just be like, you know what? Live your life. <laughs> who cares? Like just live your life. But at the time I was way too, way too anxious and scared and, and still very shy. Yeah. It's definitely a scary thing because I mean, up until literally about six months ago, I would always ask my parents before I would post on Instagram. And like, I mean, for like 95% of my posts, I'd be like, Oh, what do you think of this? And obviously if it was a, a bikini picture or like a revealing picture, my parents would be kind of like, oh, maybe let's, let's lay off that one. I'm like, why don't you post a family picture? Like, why do you always have to be pouting? And I'm like, guys, I'm just trying to fit in. Yes. Oh, I have to say I'm pretty grateful that my parents don't have Instagram. <laughs> Thank God. But my mom did recently... She's always had one, but she didn't know she had one. I think my sister Olivia made her an account and she recently has been using it. I remember I posted an Instagram story um, in a hotel and I was sitting on the bed because where else are you going to sit in a hotel room? You know, like you sit on the bed and my boyfriend was like on the other side of the room and I posted an Instagram story. My mom texts me and she's like, oh, this is just a little inappropriate. Like you're sitting on a bed. And I was like, what? (laughs) Mom, like, I promise it's not like that. Like, this is the most rated G thing ever. (laughs) But it was just so funny to see how her brain works. And I'm like, wow, does she know like the other things that I post? If she thinks this is bad, like, did she see my bikini picture from two days ago? (laughs) Um, So you obviously are the youngest of five. I am the middle of five. And I think I always find like I have to prove myself or really when whenever I do work or something that my siblings aren't doing I feel like I have to, to give it 110 percent to kind of really prove myself compared to my siblings and stand out would you say you've def- you felt that at all I've definitely felt so much pressure from my siblings um especially my sister Olivia who I actually I live with and she's one of she me and her best friends we fight like cats and dogs because we're sisters but we're also each other's best friends and we have another sister Aurora and the three sisters in my family are super super close just I think that girl relationship is Mm -hmm. super special no one's gonna understand you more than your sister um at the same time when that person is also your standard and my sister is just an overachiever kind of perfect in my mind to have to live up to that is super scary isn't the word it's just overwhelming Mm -hmm. it can be overwhelming especially because I know she wants 
she wants me to do so well and she's helped me with so many opportunities that I will always be grateful for. At the same time, sometimes I can feel like it's not my own doing, which I know is my own I'm being negative on my own negative thoughts or taking over and that imposter syndrome in my head Mm -hmm. telling me that you didn't deserve this. This isn't you. Um, Those are thoughts that I really am working on to work through because at the end of the day, I am working so hard to be where I am and I deserve to be where Mm -hmm. I am. So it's just a matter of telling those negative thoughts to just shut up (laughs) because they will always be there, but you have to just learn to not listen to them. Especially, like you said, being younger siblings, it's like you're the middle sibling, I'm the youngest. And when you're the youngest, I think sometimes you tend to not be taken as seriously. Mm -hmm. So when I share this like amazing job that I got or this product that I'm working on, like I almost feel like I can't say it because I still feel like I'm that five-year-old little (laughs) sibling that I'm like, but all of a sudden I'm grown up and doing things Mm -hmm. and I have to remind my siblings and parents, I'm like, I'm not five years old anymore. Like I can do this and I can do it really well. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I definitely, whenever my siblings get a job that I think is really cool or a cool or a different experience and opportunity, I'm definitely guilty of feeling a little jealous and kind of wishing that was me. Did you find when Olivia kind of became in the public eye, you felt like that at all? It's funny. I don't know if jealousy is the right word because at the same time, Like I said, I tend to overthink and I already struggle a little bit with the attention that I have at this level. And I put myself in her shoes of having millions of followers. I'm like, is that something that I would truly really want? Sometimes it scares me, but then there are some days where I'm like, this is what I want. Like, this is, Mm -hmm. this is my goals. These are my aspirations. But at the end of the day, I'm really happy that she's doing all the things that she's doing and she is much more fashion forward than I am. Like I love clothes. I love fashion and all those things, but health and wellness, nutrition, like those are my passions. So if she was doing jobs, um, you know, in that space, I would be way more jealous than, um, than I am now. I definitely, of course, get jealous of certain when she's on amazing trips, who wouldn't be jealous of that? Like those are, that's just the life we all want to live. But I don't know. I think we are perfectly different enough to the point where it's like a healthy level of jealousy. Um, Last week we were speaking about um, body image and I know you were talking obviously about your nutrition and and health and wellness being a passion of yours. And you were mentioning um, IBS or your um, autoimmune problem. Um, And I wondered, you know, how that has impacted perhaps on your own body image or your own Um, the feelings you have around your body and food and and, and that kind of thing? Yes, I've definitely struggled with body image in the past, mostly because with my um, autoimmune condition, I always had this, what in my mind, because I know my body, I know the way it could look or maybe is supposed to look, I would get this extreme bloating in my lower abdomen. And I I was so self-conscious of it because it's just... there's nothing I could do to make it go away. It wasn't, I couldn't run this off. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something that I can like, it's not weight. It's just inflammation from this um, condition that I live with. So that was, that always was something that I thought of in high school and in college. And even now I've had tons and tons of trial and errors with just supplements and medications and things that finally I found a balance that has helped it go away. But that was something I really struggled with because 
I mean, I have a supermodel older sister who's cover of Sports Illustrated, and I have this autoimmune condition where sometimes I look four months pregnant, and I'm like, this is just really a lot to deal with, especially when you're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. If it was something that I could, you know, attribute to diet or attribute to lack of effort of, you know, working out, I couldn't. So I just felt like, oh, woe is me. Like, why do I have to have this condition, this autoimmune disease? Like, it definitely was something I struggled with. So I'm learning as I've gotten older um, through this autoimmune condition that it is directly linked to um, stress and anxiety. And I love that this podcast is about mental health because this is something that a lot of people don't know. Um, Your gut is actually called your second brain. A lot of scientists call it your second brain because you have what's called the enteric nervous system that lives in your gut. And these nerves, neurotransmitters, neurons, they directly communicate to your brain. So if there's inflammation in your gut, that sends signals to your brain of stress and then your stress triggers GI symptoms because of this intimate connection. So it's kind of this feedback loop that just is never ending. So the more I stressed about body image, the worse it got. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I've really learned over the years to manage my symptoms by managing my stress and anxiety, whether that's medication, whether that's nutrition, and it has made a world of a difference. And interestingly enough, now that four month, five month little pregnancy pouch is what I called it. Um, It's tremendously better because I've managed my autoimmune condition. I've managed my anxiety. And now I'm just at a place where I'm finally feeling really confident in my body. But it was definitely a journey. Mm. What was it like when you had done all the research and kind of suddenly things were adding up and it was kind of making sense as to why this was happening and this was happening? Because I personally love reading facts. Um, Definitely when I got diagnosed with um, depression or PTSD, I definitely googled it and kind of read everything you can read about them just to see all the different symptoms and what they can manifest to and when it all kind of made sense it just felt so great it is definitely so relieving when you find the reason for why you're feeling a certain way mm-hmm. not that you need a reason to feel a certain way but I'm definitely kind of nerdy and factual. I love to know the nitty gritty and like I majored in science. So when it comes down to like stress and anxiety, I actually like to know how these things work chemically in the body. And that's when I started researching um, certain medications to help deal with anxiety and stress and my autoimmune condition. Because once I learned that these aren't circumstantial and that these are actual chemical Mm -hmm. things in the body, I started being more open towards other methods of therapy. You know, growing up, medication was something that I was not familiar with. No one in my family was in any way um, made medication um, normal to me just because no one was on it. So I never really, it just wasn't normalized to me. Mm -hmm. Anything that I feel like I'm not comfortable with is scary. But growing older, I learned like, you know, just because you don't know, it doesn't mean it's Mm -hmm. bad. And it just kind of opened my mind to different different therapies. And and I've learned like, there's nothing to be ashamed of if you're on a medication for stress, anxiety, or depression, like that needs to be normalized because when it comes to a headache, I don't know why we can take ibuprofen and it's totally fine. But when you have like literally a mental headache, why you can't take something else to help with it. Mm. I just think it needs to be normalized. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Look that. I, mean, <laughs> I was sitting here like doing a celebration dance because I was like, that is, it's honestly the, one of the things that I completely agree with you. And obviously in my field of work as a therapist, like I, I can't give medication and I can't, you know, advise it, but 
there's such a stigma around it mm. um, and it's not talked about it nearly enough because people assume that to take medication there must be something seriously mm. wrong whereas when we have a headache as you said we'll take a paracetamol or an ibuprofen or whatever it is and it's gone whereas when we're really suffering and we're in a dark place the idea of taking a medication is like really scary and everyone's like oh I wouldn't do that um, so I'm uh, completely behind what you just said 100%. Definitely. I think someone said this to me and I thought it was just such a great way to put it. When you break your arm or, you know, whatever, cut your finger, you go to a doctor and they put a bandage on it and take an x-ray and they heal that injury. Well, why is mental health any different from that? Mm -hmm. Like, I think depression should be treated or anxiety should be treated the same way. It's just kind of like a little brain injury because you can treat them. You can treat the symptoms. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can necessarily cure them, you know, but you can treat them just the same. And I think that there needs to be a more similar point of view on those two types of things, because whether it's a physical injury or a mental injury, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. both can be treated. And we, we struggle when with with the idea of not being able to see it so like when it's a, a broken arm or a finger cut we can see it so we can we can understand it we're not good when we don't understand things right yeah so if someone's suffering with depression we can't see it mm. and therefore we find it much harder to to acknowledge basically Definitely. and also because as you say you know there's not necessarily a solution and we like solution, right? We like to say, if you do this, this yes. will happen. <laughs> yes, definitely. I think that's also why it can be really overwhelming when you're struggling with mental health because there's not a one size fits all. Mm. There's not a guarantee mm. that if you take this, that you will feel better. There's a possibility if you take this, you'll feel worse. So yeah. it is just very overwhelming yeah. to try and you know find the right therapist. And of course, if you're finding a therapist, I really struggled with, I need to find the best therapist, yeah. which... <laughs> I kind of eventually just got so beaten down to the point where I was like, I will take a doorknob at this point. Like I will talk to anything. Like I don't care. It took me to having to get to such a low place to realize that, but I'm happy for that because you know, it, it, it turned me around. Yeah. It gets difficult when everyone gives their own opinions because I mean, I know for me, my family didn't know a huge amount about the treatment of mental health when I first opened up to them. And originally my parents were like, look, we're going to go down to the countryside and we can heal as a family together. And I really kind of had to dig my heels in and say, no, I think I need to go into treatment. And they were kind of, oh, no, like, why don't why don't you give that a try? And then when I was there, we all realized, you know, that's what she really needed. Because my dad, if he sees a problem, he loves to fix things straight away mm. by himself. So he definitely struggled with the idea of someone else helping to fix me. Yes. I think I'm, I mean, I'm not a parent, but from <laughs> what I've just, from my hearing my mom speak and my sister speak, like, cause my older sister has two children. I think when it comes to your child and just the fear of having to potentially, I think when it comes to medication and your baby, like you can, that can be very scary to mm -hmm. think like, I don't want to change them because in your parents' eyes, you're perfect, you know? <laughs> but when it comes to being the child, it's like, you might think I'm perfect, but I'm struggling and I need you to hear me. I actually, when I first started going on medication for anxiety, my parents, I didn't tell them because I knew that they would be like, you don't need it. Like that's just their point of view. Or maybe it was just more their wanting to believe that I was perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. My doctor ended up sending a, a letter home and my mom found it. And of course I let my mom open my mail because I'm not home half the time. <laughs> and it was something to do with this medication that I was taking. And she was like, 
I think she was very hurt that I didn't talk to her about it before. Mm. But at the same time, this was something that I was very afraid to talk about and very nervous to talk about with my parents because I knew that they wouldn't want me to go on any type of medication. But at the same time, I knew I needed it. So I just kind of kept it to them until the the can was spilled. Yeah, I mean, so you go to LA a lot and I, I mean, you're in LA at the moment and I practically grew up in LA for a good few years. I haven't been there recently because of COVID, but I found being in LA, it's a very different uh, pace of life compared to London. Um, Would you say it has impacted yourself growing up in a very busy city? It's funny because I look back on my Instagram feed And it really is a diary of my life. And you can tell when I first moved to LA, all of a sudden it's like this glitz and glam, like doing all these like fashion photo shoots on the streets of LA. Um, I look back and I'm like, that is not me. That is so not me. I was trying to fit in with what I thought was, you know, the LA lifestyle. And I wanted to be like all these other beautiful girls that I see online but then I look back and I almost cringe because I'm like, I don't want people to think that that is, my, that is who I am because it's not. Not that there is anything wrong with doing mm-hmm. that. Like I am all for, if you want to have a photo shoot in the middle of the street, you go do that. <laughs> I do it still. It's fun. But as long as it's authentic to me and I'm not trying to be something I'm not, I've just learned like paint the picture that you want people to see of you, even if it's not the most picture perfect, glamorous thing on the internet I like that Mm. yeah I remember being in LA and I was I mean as you said I literally look back and I cringe I was 16 and I was sneaking into clubs and I look back and I'm like I'm 21 now like did I really think I was that cool at 16 like thinking I was like so hot and like being in clubs (laughs) that is so funny um so what advice do you think you would give your 21 year old self I love this question and I've thought about it a lot. If I could give myself one piece of advice at 21, honestly, it would be to find a therapist sooner (laughs) (laughs) because I was really struggling at that time and I just didn't know any way to treat these symptoms or to treat this anxiety, but it would be to just stop trying to be someone you're not. Mm. Be you and if people don't like you, you can't please everybody. So I know that's kind of more than one piece of advice, but it would just definitely be to be more comfortable in my skin, which is so hard to say that's advice because that's something you need to learn yeah. over time. But I wish I could go back to that 21-year-old girl and just shake her and be like, you're perfect. People love you. Stop <laughs> overthinking. <laughs> well, I'll definitely try and take that advice. <laughs> Although actually I take that back. I'm not perfect. <laughs> So another piece of advice I would have for my 21-year-old self is I read this book and it's called The Defining Decade and it is all about 20-somethings. This is what the author refers refers to them as. And it's just about navigating life as a 20-something-year-old and the pressure that we feel and how older generations tend to say that we're lazy and that we don't Mm -hmm. want to work hard, but really it's just... We're kind of all a little bit misunderstood, especially with social media. And it's it really taught me how in order to achieve the life that you want, you need to start planning it now. Stop putting things off. Stop taking that, you know, that that time off to discover yourself. Like if you're not setting yourself up now for your future, you're only postponing 
the dreams that you want to live. Wow. Well, I'll add that to my basket right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was a really good book. I loved that one. Amazing. Thank you so much. I've really thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Yeah. Thanks, Sophia. Honestly, lots of thought provoking Mm. bits for our listeners, hopefully. And it was really nice to, to, to meet you and get to hear your experiences and, and how you manage life basically. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I got to do this. This is like my first ever discussion of mental health on a social platform. So I'm really happy that I, I got around to doing it. It's scary, but I'm, I, I'm, it's time. I'm flattered <laughs> that you're doing it on here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. I'm, I wasn't as nervous for this interview today because it was the second one. So I already kind of knew how it would go, Mm. but I definitely wasn't expecting it to go that well. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with Sophia and I definitely learned a lot. Me too. And I was so surprised that she had said this was the first time that she was talking about her mental health. I Mm. felt like she was so comfortable talking about it and she she seemed so wise and in touch with herself, actually. Mm. She knew exactly what to say. Yeah, I know. I was listening. I was like, great advice. Yeah, (laughs) I will definitely be taking a lot of that advice. It's time for Behind the Post. So today we have a picture of you um, in LA on the beach. Yes, I thought... appropriate. Yeah. Seeing as you have have had Sophia on the show. (laughs) So um, tell me what was going on here. So this photo, I'm in Paradise Cove and I was in LA with my parents and Oscar was a few months old and my twin was also there and I remember the whole beach day I was like Jack please get a photo of me please 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 like I really want one and he was like oh like again are we doing this again (laughs) anyway he took the photo and I ended up posting it I was very happy with it um actually that day someone actually came up to me and Jack because mum and dad went on a walk and we were left with Oscar and someone said oh you guys make a lovely couple congratulations (laughs) on your baby (laughs) so People must have thought he was my boyfriend, you know, like the boyfriends of Instagram thing. Um, But funnily enough, this was actually the last photo that I posted before I went into the Nightingale. Um, So it was 21st of July. And then I didn't post again until halfway through October. And that was definitely the Mm. longest time I had off social media. What was it like having that time off social media to focus on you, I guess? Um, It was weird because obviously I was seeing everyone every day. I, I set my screen time to like two minutes for Instagram. Um, oh, wow. And it, it switches off automatically. Yeah, because I, I knew I had to be focusing on things that were much more important mm. rather than Instagram. But when I did look at it, I would see everyone's life was continuing. Mm. And it felt really strange because I was like, hang on, why hasn't no one noticed I'm, you know... I haven't posted mm. in months. Why doesn't someone ask me what's up? Um, but... It was nice to have that time away. And I actually found that after seeing everyone's life was kind of moving on, Mm. I did stop looking at social media altogether because it just became... I was getting sad that no one was noticing that I wasn't on my phone. Mm. But it's interesting looking at this picture, you look, you know, the the caption is swipe for a smile, (laughs) which is actually ironic because you probably were in quite a lot of pain imagining that Mm. you would, you know, then you then recently then went into treatment. So it's, it's, you know... It's very ironic. You wouldn't have, ironic. like thought no. there was something going on behind the scenes. No. It just shows you the power then, right, of being able to put on a smile, huh? Oh, for sure. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to 21 and Over. Tally, thank you again. And a huge thank you to Sophia for being our guest. Please don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts to get updated on new episodes. Also, please don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We're at 21 and Over with Holly. And if you'd like to send us a note, you can either send us a DM or email us at 21andover at studioramsey.com. See you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.